And in the midst of heartache, you bring healing. Lord, out of ashes, you bring beauty. God, only you can fix the broken. Only you can make the lame walk again. The greatest of all, you can make the dead rise. God, I pray that you resurrect our feeble, broken deadness. That we may be alive in Christ today and rejoice. Lord, as we sing the next song, I have no idea what it is. But if it's anywhere close to because he lives, may we sing it like we really mean it. May we sing it in worship and praise to you from the depths of our being. Lord, as we gathered with 1,500 brothers and sisters last night, we don't even know most of them. And we sang and we praised and we just worshiped. I pray God would have that spirit in this place today. Lord, I thank you for our fathers. I thank you for mine. Thank you for my grandfather. I thank you for men that have been instrumental in showing me what it's like to be a godly, godly man. God, may I one day attain to that. Set the example as well. Speak to us. Use us. Bless all these precious children that will come this morning. God, this is our prayer. Together, heal our land. Be with those broken. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, now, uh, if me and uh, some of the youth and a few others around here look like we have a Holy Ghost hangover this morning, it's because we do. Uh, we left here yesterday morning at 8 o'clock and went to Wild Adventures. And, uh, of course, in all the heat, boat roller coasters and all that kind of stuff. But then uh, we worshiped, in, uh, and it's interactive now. You don't go with us. You, you can't just sit down. We enjoyed uh, worshiping with Triple E and Lecrae and uh, had a big time. So we come busting back up in here about 1.30 this morning. And uh, so uh, we're, we're, we're tired, but we're ready. So we're going to worship the Lord this morning. And as we do, we want to recognize uh, our, our babies that are being dedicated. This baby, you come help me. Uh, she's been tending the kids around me for a long time, so I've asked her to help. One of the children come up this morning, and I don't want to embarrass them, but they said, what does this baby dedication mean? They're going to give their kids? If you're being biblical, that's exactly what you're doing. And if you're not, you don't need to come up here and just get a gift. I'm going to be preaching this morning in just a moment out of Genesis. Part of the story is that God told Abraham, I want your son. I want your son. And this was the son of great promise. This is this was everything to Abraham and Sarah. But the truth was, in the end, God was not looking for the sacrifice of Isaac. He was looking for the sacrifice of Abraham. Today, parents, grandparents, and church, today, it's more about us. This baby's don't know what's going on. 
they just know we're trying to coo and yaw and trying to keep them from yelling and screaming. Let them scream. They don't know any better. We do know better. And it is not our job. We don't babysit. God has given us the most awesome position in all the world. And that is to bring children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. You want to blame the teenagers? You want to blame the next generation? You want to, you want to do something about it? Let's raise up the godly generation. Because God is the Lord. And so today we want to recognize these precious children. We start with Nolan, Ellis, Anderson. And so, uh, Jess and uh, Brent, if you'll come forward and go ahead and uh, bring Owen as well. What a blessing. I, I have to tell this story. I, I cannot get around telling this story. And Brent has taken the head basketball job. And, uh, we're thankful and, and praise the Lord with them in this new job. We're going to miss them dearly. But uh, not too long ago, about a year and a half ago, me and Coach Anderson were standing on the football practice field. Hot, uh, late summer afternoon, and he gets a phone call. And we knew that his baby coming along. But he kind of walks off. He said, he said oh, oh, this is Jess. I, I need to... Need to take this. She's at the doctor, so he gets it. And listen, he turned water in those candles. <laughs> and I looked at him, and I'm like, "Well, he's already got one. What's the big deal?" And he walks over, and he's kicking, and he's turning, and we're like, "What's the deal?" He said, "Uh, uh." He looks up, and with this thousand-yard stare, like. I don't know if my life is over, just beginning. Uh, am I going to survive? He said, uh, we're having twins. <laughs> we, all as coaches, we ripped him incessantly. I mean, we didn't let up that day. But look what a blessing. And Nolan and Owen Anderson. And uh, we thank God for y'all. We want to present you with uh, a little token. Dedication to bringing these children before the Lord. Just stand right here as we do these others. Then I want to have a prayer over here. We're going to pray at the end of the service as well. So, uh, Noah and Owen Anderson. Now, Jackson Clay Hutchinson. Thank God for Jackson, his mom and dad. Uh, they've been coming to our new beginning Sunday school class. And, uh, we're just praying looking at Tony, you can't deny that one. We thank God for this young man. All right. Kenzie Claire Street. I thank God for 
But I thank God for an exemplary young couple. A couple that has told the world, I don't care what the world cares about. We're going to do it the way the Bible says to do it. And uh, Andrew and I got to spend some time together this week. And we just reminisced and the time that I was blessed to officiate for their wedding. And now here, a couple years later, uh, we have precious Kenzie. So they're celebrating three years, June 3rd. Is that right? So we thank God for their example. They help with the youth. They help plant the new beginning Sunday school class. We look forward to what God's going to do in Kenzie's life as well. All right? Ledger J. Smith. Leave that face. <laughs> Big sister's been taking care of Ledger. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, right here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ledger's got his uh, he, he's got his work cut out for him to have the uh, beauty of his mama and the talent of his grandfather. <laughs> but, but I guarantee you, he can sell anything if he's like his dad. Now, his dad's pretty handsome too. We thank God for Ledger, another example of such a godly couple, serving the Lord, being faithful, and uh, we praise the Lord for Ledger uh, and his precious family. All right, Kennedy Harper Tickets. All right, y'all had me off. I'm used to you being over here. And bad badges, not sit in the same spot. Hey, look, photo walls, you know? We're not in any hurry. We ain't got service tonight. You need to take pictures. Take pictures. But we don't have time to have good services. I met... Uh, Coy and Jamie uh, through the fire department when I first moved here. Uh, we've become fast friends. And we thank God for this couple, another couple that helped plant our new beginning Sunday school class. Uh, and we just thank God uh, for this uh, precious, precious girl, Kennedy, and all that God is doing in their lives. And uh, what a busy life between being a nurse and being a firefighter. And all the things they've got going on, but here bring their child to dedicated before the Lord. So we thank God for this sweet family. Yes, we do. With big pretty eyes. Let's uh yeah, you want to take pictures? But let's let's give them a hand for being here. Not to be their mother, not to be their father, but to be spiritual support, not just for the children in children's ministry, helping fathers be men of God, helping mothers understand what it means to be a biblical woman. And so uh, we're going to have a big time. How can you all sit here with me? <laughs> <laughs> I figured that would, that would get her. All right. Well, y'all can be seated. And at the end of the service, I'm going to ask you to come.
pray. Um, that would be our heart's desire. Not to worship the Holy One, the Holy Savior, Jesus Christ. God, you are good. Uh, we say all the blessings of children come through here today. We remember our fathers.
as long as it's guided by the Spirit. And if it really hits you hard, just say, oh me. But help me out now. Uh, very few of you were up with me at 2 o'clock this morning. And I mean, we got crumped, you know. Uh, they look at me like a mule looking at a new day. Y'all go with me next time. I'm going to take the young at heart. We're going to go see the crud. <laughs> it's kind of like gospel aerobics <laughs> on crack. This morning, I want to talk about doing it right. Raising them right. Look in Genesis chapter 24. What does the word Genesis mean? Huh? Beginning. So we're going to begin at the beginning. Yes, sir. In chapter 24, now Abraham was old. Know how he felt. Well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, now you see, time had advanced. Think about what Abraham had seen. Abraham had been told, get out of the land where you dwell and go. He said, where did I go? He said, I'll tell you when you get there. That's a hard lesson, isn't it? People text me all the time. They say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know what to do. And I always try to draw a line back to Abraham and say, don't feel bad. Because that's the step of faith God wants for us. To take the next step not knowing. I always like to see that picture of the Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indiana Jones is having to step out over this deep cavern. And the steps are there. He just can't physically see them. And every time he would take a step, it would be there. And he walked across that cavern on ground he could not see. Of course, that's all Hollywood. But in the Spirit of God, it's true. We don't know where the steps are. But if God says go there, he will provide a way. Amen. Yes, he will. And so he told Abraham to go. Abraham went. <coughs> Now men, wives ever got mad at you? Because you didn't know the exact answer she needed to know? Because women need security. Now we need to understand that. Well, how are we going to pay the bill? Well, which way are we going to go? Well, the world's round. We'll get there. It's not a satisfactory answer for a woman. For us, we're like, dude, man, I mean, there's a bunch of roads and a bit. Look, if I go a little left, I'll take a ride. You know, go big chickens, hang around. You know, go to Abercorn. You get anywhere it's about off Abercorn. You know, that's the way we need to think. No, a woman needs to know what time we're leaving, what time we're coming back, where we're going, where we're going to stop, how we're going to dress, what we're going to do, how we're going to eat. They need that. And that's okay. And we need to understand that a little bit. But women, sometimes God, if we're doing what God wants us to do, and we're trying to lead spiritually. Now, you can't lead from the back seat. God's called you to be a husband, then be a godly husband. And don't just bark orders. Lead by following. The only way you can lead by following is follow Him, then you can lead by example. But we still lead, He said, before that very famous scripture that all godly men like to quote that women are to be submissive unto men. Yes! But the scripture before that says that we are to submit one to another. Read the whole chapter. Huh? 
You keep trying that later verse. You keep trying that to see how much you go on and die. You keep trying that to see how well you sleep in the spare room or on the couch. We are to be submissive to one another, walking nine equal. I always tell them in premarital counseling, God did not take a bone out of Adam's foot, did he? No, he did. You know why? Because it did not mean for the man to lord over the woman. Keep him, keep her under his heel. He didn't take a bone out of the man's head. Because he never meant for the woman to lord over the man. Where did he take it? Right out the middle. Because we're to walk together. Not one step ahead. Not one step behind. But together. Fighting the battle. For the faith. Abraham said, Sarah, we got to go. Well, where are we going? Honey, I love you. I mean that. But I don't have to. And I know that's not a satisfactory answer, but you've got to understand, God told me. A woman can understand a little bit more. If you have prayed up, don't just try to be spiritual. Look, I've tried that. I'm a pastor. My wife's like, look, don't give me no gender jabber now. Because see, she sees the real me. She said, I've heard you preach all that message. I don't need a sermon. Tell me what we need to do. Not that she's being unspiritual. She wants a brass tack. She don't want a three-point outline with an introduction and a conclusion. She wants to hear, thus saith the Lord, how we need to be a godly family. That's what she needs to hear. Sarah needed to hear it simplistically. She needed to hear Abraham say, we're going here, we're doing this. And Abraham had to say, I'm not sure God's leading and we'll go where he said go. And that's what happened. And so we fast forward. Now we have them both. And, and look, there's no easy way to do it. And if you're still here today, chances are you're probably still breathing. So if you've got a problem with being called old, that's like the trophy for winning. You know, I get that. Not being able to tell someone your age or not like being called old is like saying, I, I, I don't want to win. You've won. God's blessed you with health. He's blessed you with age. Be thankful. The Bible tells us that it's a blessing of the Lord. Abraham is about 100 years old. They had lived a blessed life. But the problem was they didn't have any kids. Sarah was broken hearted. She said, Abraham, somebody else got kids. I don't have any kids. We tried. I'm broken. Not broken, just broken. Part of my body's broken. Something's wrong with me. I'm not. I'm less than everybody else. I'm having. Then she started crying out to God, and God gave them the Son of Promise. And of course, they tried to usurp God's authority, didn't they? Yes, they did. Right. Right. What's that boy's name? What? Ishmael. You know what we call him today? Islam. That, my friends, is why we have what's going on in the world today. Because they usurp the will of God. Don't think the little mistakes, the little choices you make in your will to do it your way do not have 
continuing conclusion. There'll be problems. Look, your kids see you live like hell, then don't be surprised when they locked up in jail. Huh? I'm going to tell you something. Bill and Clebo and his buddy in Columbine, the boy that killed all the people there in the movie theater, and I know mental illness, and I know all this other kind of stuff. The boy walked into the AV church in Charleston this week. I'm telling you something. Somewhere, now I know there's always, there's always the openness that they could have been done right. Because, look, we've got three weeks. But most of the time, there was a breakdown at home. There was a daddy that was vacant. There was a mama who didn't love. There was some kind of problem. They didn't care about Sunday school. They'd come to church if they didn't have anything else to do. Well, that's what I want to talk about raising them right today. And if you consider this legalistic, get over it. It's the Bible truth. And if you've got a real problem with this, the problem is with yourself that you need to crucify it, get rid of your ego, get rid of your agenda. I know it's summer, but it's time to stop worshiping the S-U-N and get on your face before the S-O-N. He tells us of a father's sacrifice. As Abraham was old and well advanced in years, Isaac had now grown to be a fine young man. They had survived the testing on Mount Moriah. So Abraham said to his oldest servant of the house who ruled over all that he had, please put your hand under my thigh and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughter of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. Now you've got to understand what he's saying. Look back in chapter 22 and verse 2. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac. This is God talking to him. He said, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. I'm going to tell you something. As we look at a father's sacrifice, the first big thing we see is a father's love. And as the famous movie line says, a father's love, well, it's a father's love. We want the best, don't we? We want our, we want our girls to grow up to be the prettiest things we want them to be the smartest thing. We're not so worried about how smart the boys are. We just want them to be strong and talented and throw a 98 mile an hour fastball. We want them to be what we think. And so many times we live our lives vicariously through them. But this is the word God told Abraham. said, take your son whom you love and bring him to me. Listen to me, moms and daddies. Listen to me well. This is a lesson I learned in the intensive care unit at Pensacola, Florida. Your kids are not yours. If you keep putting them before God, God will take them out of the land. Well, 
He is a jealous God. Is that not what our Bible says? Yes, yes. Didn't he say something about, I'll have no other God before no other so when you say, I just love my kids, I'll do anything for them. I know. You say, I will go here and we'll go to church if we don't have anything else to do. I know. Look through the Bible and see what God did to Baal. Look through the Bible and see what God did to Dagon. Look what God did uh, to Merak and all the other false gods of the world. I'm telling you something. When you put your kids between you and God, there's trouble coming. You love God first. And I know it's scary. I know it's scary. I stood there watching him with a chest tube in my child. Now I know what was going on. I watched him getting an ambulance. I had to do with, with our son as my daughter and my wife left in an ambulance to go to a place. I didn't know where they were going. And I had to pray and through tears driving. That's 75 miles. Not knowing what the future held. I had to pray. Precious children down here, God has blessed you with, mamas and daddies. Not sure. He is. He is. We've got to come to a place we understand. But look, it doesn't mean we shouldn't love them best. We just don't love them most. Huh? And I'm gonna tell you something. You want your kids to understand how to love each other, love their spouse? You need to love mom and daddy in front of them. Huh? Love mama. If you want your son to get married and stay married. That's right. Love mom. Hey, the greatest thing you can do is make them go, ooh. Man, kiss her right in front of them. I can do it. That's the truth. Love. Some of you old people thinking, you two old kids, man, you just look. Go hibernate somewhere. Man, if I'm still breathing, I still want some sugar. <laughs> look, I wanted sugar when I married her. We've been married 25 years. If I married 50 more years, I still want kiss. I don't blame you. Now look, we may look so bad and so old and lose our teeth or hair. Just turn the lights off, still kiss. <laughs> Abraham loved Sarah. Abraham loved God. When he left Mount Moriah, there was something that him and God had to go clear. He loved God most. We, listen to me. I know some of you in your early 30s have got it all figured out. It's a whole different generation of us old people. We didn't have a clue what we were doing. We let our kids ride bicycles right ahead We did. Man, we fed them sugar. <laughs> I know what horrible, horrible parents we were. Look at my parents, they should have went to jail for the things they let us do. Huh? I mean, you know, it's terrible. Terrible the stuff they made us do. And they made us work. Yeah, they did. I'm mean, slaving over. That was good for us. Man, man, just cut grass. Oh, yeah. uh, my granddaddy is the meanest man on earth. Make me go out and weed in the garden. 
the wheat tomatoes. I ain't going to nasty things. But I had to pull the weeds. What an awful man! Man loved God. Man thought his value of work. It's a real love. I'm going to tell you, it's a real fight. You're going to be a godly parent, it's going to be a fight every day. Go on, buckle it up. Then the famous words of one of my teenage heroes who left this world this past week. The American Dream Dustin Rose says, every day is a fight. You just got to be the bull in the woods. He said, you got to get in that squared sucker. You got to fight. And it don't matter going solely who I'm fighting. Win. Now, if you didn't grow up with professional wrestling, there's just this big empty vacancy in your life. <laughs> That's why they make you two. But look, the real fight is the real fight. He said, "Listen, you swear to me by God that you, when you go, will not take a wife of the world. You take a wife from our people." Daddies, guard your kids. Moms, guard your kids. And I know it's hard. Sometimes you say, the people I don't want them to hang around with, but there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. But he said, listen, servant, whatever you do, don't you let him go get tangled up with a Canaanite. It's a fight. And you can't take a day off. Okay? You can't take a day off. Some of you think your kids are the perfect kids. And look, they might be real close. <coughs> but the teenagers, most of them here, are smart enough to know that their pastor's not the brightest bulb on the tree, but he knows how to troll. And you older people say, what? Oh, fishing? No. Yeah, I'm fishing. But I figured out how to get on social media and I go to one person's page then look at their friends and all their friends and that may not be your friend. You may have thought you'd hit all that stuff. But look, I've seen what you tweet. And I don't know why you think nobody else sees it but you and your six friends. When you drop the F-bomb and come into Sunday school and quote scripture, Mamas and daddies, if you say, I don't use all that stuff, you better learn. You better learn. Because if you want your kids to be what God wants them to be, now they can't run and hide. Because look, we're not ostriches. Our brains are bigger than a quarter. God has given us a direction. We cannot run. We must fight. There's a day to fight, mamas and daddies. There's a day to fight, and it's today. We're fighting for our generation because our teenagers are thinking, you know what? It's all right for Olympiads to decide they're not a male anymore. It's all right for anything to go. It's all right to live any kind of way and say anything you want to because of the music, because of the movies, because of the message, the world is sending them. How would we have ever imagined that Americans would get on a plane 
pay their own fare to go fight for terrorists against their own country. But it's happening. You better fight for your kids. Right. And I'm not talking about fighting the umpire because he didn't call balls and strikes the way you wanted to. No, that's just acting a fool is what you want. That's what the Bible says. Don't go brain dead when you get between the lines. You're sitting in the stands. Good grief. It's red ball. There are no professional scouts there. They're not. I've coached a bunch of high school games, and I've only seen a scout at a high school game on one hand that many times. And that's football, baseball, and all the sports. We're so convinced we'll spend thousands of dollars. Church don't mean anything when it's ball season. Do you realize that only one out of 17,000 high school athletes will get a scholarship to play sports? Does that make our kids less than everybody else's? No. It's just different. It's a fight. It's real faith. He said, verse 7 and 8, The Lord given to heaven, the Lord God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family, who spoke to me and swore to me, saying, To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. Look, dads have some faith. Believe God is and that he is a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. When's the last time you got on your face and saw God? You you text me and say, Preacher, pray for you. If you do, I'm going to pray for you. But I can't do your praying for you. Huh? You can post it all over social network and people say, Praying and prayers going up. What, what do they do? Time to a pigeon? So what? I don't understand that whole prayer is going up. Look, because me and God, God lives inside of me. And when I speak, it's instantaneous. And, he, and, and my prayers through the Holy Spirit are carried by the Son of God as my intercessor up to the throne of God. I get the up part. But we need to understand if we're going to get down when it gets to breath, that there was nobody else. I called my buddies. I called my family when I was in that intensive care unit with my daughter. But ultimately, I had to get on my face when I was seven years old. And I was lost without God. My mama was beside me. My daddy was beside me. My preacher was up by me. Other people was praying. But I had to do business with God. Yeah. Nobody could ask Jesus to save me but me. Yeah. You better wake up, church, yeah. and have a real faith. It's a father's sacrifice. I know it's going to be hard. I know there's going to be dark days, but we got to believe. Abraham had some dark days alone in his journey, but he had real faith that God was who he says he was, and that God would do what he said he'd do. Yes, he will. He'll do it. We get to look back at the story. Did God do what he said he'd do? Always have. Then why won't we believe? Can God change America? Yes, he can. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's too far gone. No, there was probably some people during the days of Nero fought that. There was probably some people during the days of Cyrus and Artaxerxes who fought that. There were some people, all of David's brothers and King Saul fought that. 
when they looked over the valley of Elah and saw that great giant down there in that valley, they thought all hope is lost. Yeah. But this little errand boy, mm -hmm. this little sheep herder, yeah. bring his brother something to eat. Uh -huh. He's a bunch of cowards. Bow up and be amazed. Good grief. He's going to mock our God. See, he didn't take it personally. He took it as a shot at his God. You know what the world's telling you? What the liberals are telling you? You know what all these talking heads are telling us? That Christians are a bunch of knuckleheads? Well, yeah, I've been pastoring them for years. And they've hired me. They can't be proud if they hired this knucklehead. Somebody say amen. That's all right. That's all right. I'm still your pastor. Preach on. You know what I love? The fact that no matter what, I know who sent the big thing. And it was God saying, BAM! There it was. Who created the tree? Calls the breeze to blow. Yeah. I know that despite all of man's sin and the wretchedness, God prepared a man by the name of Noah. I know for a fact, scientifically, you could have put all the animals on that ark. It's been proven over and over and over again. If you don't believe it, stop using that argument because it has been proven by the size of that boat. Small child, or even in your 20s or 30s, you're in your 
seven, you ought to be the most mature Christian in this place. You ought to be setting the example. You used to come over here, we begged for nursing workers, we said, oh, let the young people, it's their babies. How are they going to learn to grow their children? How are they going to learn to be biblical mamas and daddies if you who know won't go over and help them? Keep those kids so they can be in here today. Amen. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you now, the next time we have to beg for the nursery, you're going to wait for something to stand up right here, and you're going to wonder where Brother Matt's at. The next time, and I'm not trying to make, be tough or anything, but I'm tired of having to beg people to do what God has called us to do. You know better. I want to beg the world, know who Jesus is, but you're saved. right there. Abraham didn't care. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We all got a crazy uncle, don't we? Huh? You know the one your mama warned you about before you go to a family reunion? Huh? Now listen. Your uncle so-and-so, now just don't get close to him, okay? You shake his hand, but you stay over here beside me. I don't want to tell you about it, but just don't, don't get, you know, everybody got crazy on Everybody got crazy on Everybody's got Isaac Huh? Come on. Yeah. That was Shot out. He got out, though, but his wife was still hung on to the world so much. No salt. Some of you looking back. You ain't gonna do God any good. Listen, uncles and aunts and grandmamas and granddaddies, it don't take a village. Hillary ain't that right. But what it does is it takes the body of Christ. So true. To be together and raise them up. We need to stop being crazy uncle. We need to stop being the one that everybody tells a little quiet story about. Hey, I have a crazy aunt. You know what happened to her? She turned soft. Huh? Y'all look at me like I'm crazy. It's in our Bible. Look, I got some. I don't know what they turned into, but it was something. But Abraham never lost sight. Listen, the mother surrendered. She had doubt back in chapter 18, didn't she? Huh? It said she laughed within herself. Yes, she did. She literally laughed in her heart about what God had just told her. God had told you something and you so didn't believe what you thought. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There ain't no way I can pay my bills this month. I can't tie. God's a gift. I can. <laughs> Y'all know who scored that, that great run that propelled the Braves into being what they are or were through the 90s, right? Who's the famous person that scored the winning run against the Pirates? All right. Now, I know you serious ones who don't know this, but how many of you know who made the base that drove them? Right, raise your hands if you know who 
hit him. He didn't play a position that game, did he? He comes straight up off of me. What was his name? Huh? Francisco Burr. He came in out of obscurity to drive in the winning run to propel the Braves. To win the pennant and to move into the world city. Look, God calls ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Her doubt did great things because despite it, he says in chapter 18, verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. But then in chapter 21, verse 6, when Isaac was born, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh. Her laugh went from ridicule to laugh of joy. God had changed her heart. God had changed her mother. You know why? Because the Lord did it. Yes. When's the last time you could look back, stand and look and say, Lord did that. Huh? Lord did that. I didn't do I can't do that. My church can't do that. My wife can't do it. My husband, my kid. That's God! That's him. You don't know how you stay married 50 years? You don't know how you raise godly teenagers? You don't know how you survive the terrible twos. God. That's God. You know how God fixes a broken home? And I'm talking about any kind of way. You know how God restores those who've been drug addicts, been in jail, been through divorce, even had abortions, been homosexuals, you know how God does it? He doesn't accept the sin. He cleanses it. Yes, He does. Yes, He cleanses He saves them. He changes them. And He gives them a purpose. Yes, you do. God never told us to hate him. God didn't say hate homosexuals. God didn't say hate divorcee. God didn't say hate abortions. What God said was hate sin and love sin. Love them. Don't change the world. Look, it's not going to be about dropping bullets or dropping bombs. It's going to be about dropping the light of Jesus Christ. That's it. Come on. Yes, sir. I drop it. Come to William Carlos. Her doubt went from scornful laugh to a blessed laugh. Her purpose and pleasure was she just enjoyed what God had done. Yes. No doubt she died with a great smile on her face. Yes. Looking back, thinking about how. She never got to see that grandson, Jacob. But just like her husband, she saw it far off. No doubt in those waning days of their lives, Abraham and Sarah would sit out on the front porch and watch the camels walk around, look out over the land, and go what God is going to do. Abraham, remember when God told you? He's going to bless all the nations through the people. And they would look right over there and see Isaac playing in the yard and say, God's going to do it through me. God's going to do it through me. Now look around at your kids. Look at these precious babies. And 
say to yourself, God's going to raise up a generation. Yes, sir. Bless America. Yes. Bless our church. Yes. I don't know about you. That's good stuff, right? Yes, it is. That's biblical stuff. I'm not the best preacher in the world, but that's good. Come on. That's good when you look at your kids at more than just a beauty contest or, or, or spelling bee or whatever, starting picture, or outside linebacker. But you look at your child as a gift from God who can do great things. It's all right to play ball. It's all right to make a beauty contest. It's all right to make a spelling bee. It's all right to be smart. It's all right to be pretty. It's all right to be strong. Be it in the Lord. Amen. That's it. That's why they hate Tim Tebow so much. They despise Tim Tebow. Because he ain't going to back down. Have you ever heard a mean word out of his mouth? You ever heard him lash out and say, well, you don't hold the same same stuff against everybody else? Oh, y'all bunch of King James fans. Steph Curry won the MVP, won the championship, and then gave Jesus Christ his Lord and Savior glory for it all. And he didn't wait until he won to do that. He'd been doing that all season. Russell Wilson lost the Super Bowl with the last play, and the next day he tweeted out, whether we win or we lose, I give God all the glory. Yeah, with God we win. Everything's not like facing the Giants. You don't always win. You don't always have the faith. You don't always get the trophy. But what you always do is know God's on himself. I don't have time to finish this. I want you to see the servant went out and he honored Abraham with his words. He, he swore to it. And he did exactly what he told him he would do. But we got to work together. Sunday school teachers, if you have said, I'm going to teach. If you're going to work with the children, you're going to work with the youth, you're going to sing in the choir, then honor God with your words. Well, not have to wonder where people are. If you've got a Sunday school, well, not be waiting, and it'd be almost 10 o'clock. Where's the teacher at? You'd you call in if you didn't go to work. Because if you didn't, that's why they'd fire you. Do you know it's easier to join and stay? And we take it much lazier, our membership in the body of Christ than we do the civic organization. You don't pay your dues, they'll keep you out. Come on now. Am I right, Kiwanis? Rotary? Lions? Huh? I'm not mocking up. Those are great organizations. This is not an organization. It's an organism. We're living, breathing, body of Christ. Uh, why don't we honor God the most? This ain't easy stuff. It's true stuff. He honored him with his words. He honored him with his words. He went out there and he sat there and he looked. Never come with that. really didn't want my master. I didn't want to have to take so so ugly woman home. <laughs> Becky came up. She had a servant spirit. The servant had a spirit of servitude. And they talked and went back and forth. And she took him back to her house and introduced him. Laban came. They were, saw the bracelets and the rings. Said, something's going on right here. you got to remember now. Because of Abraham's faithfulness, God had blessed him beyond there. He was the richest man on earth. 
You sent all these animals on this stuff. He said, please don't let me go home without her. And they said, Rebecca, what you going to do? She said, I'm going. There's something about this. God stirred something right. I'm going. You may not have all the answers. We can have a God who does. Amen. Come on, church. Amen. Huh? Man, what you talking about? I'm tired of this lazy, cheap, poverty-stricken Christianity. Come on. Where we're living down here like paupers when we're sons of the king. We see a son's willingness. He listened to his dad. He didn't wait until he got to be a teenager before he started teaching. He didn't wait until he got married and went to college before he tried to get uh, instill something in him. He, ra he started raising him right from the time he went up on the mountain even before. His mom had already gone on to be with the Lord, but she had taught him, son, guard yourself. Don't you let those wicked women of the world sneak in unaware and steal your joy. Don't let your buddies talk you into something you ought not be in. I haven't heard the final story, but my niece's high school she just graduated from Halton County High School this week. A girl that she graduated with, that she walked across the stage with, and her boyfriend that's an upcoming senior was killed in a car wreck almost right in front of the high school and they believed that they were racing with someone else playing on the road right there. I know it's the corniest thing you'll hear today. My daddy said it, and I thought it was corny too. My daddy, the older I got, the lot smarter he's got. I'd rather be a live chicken than a dead duck. Your buddy says, you're just a chicken. You're just a chicken. You know I got buddies that are dead, playing chicken on motorcycles. Run into each other. I got buddies in wheelchairs that dove off the rock because everybody else did it. I've got people who've lost their families, lost their living, lost everything else because that's what their buddies did. But the buddies are gone. And now they live a shell, a broken life. I'm trying to keep up with everybody Just be what God called you to be. He listened, He learned. You know what? He lived. Huh? Yes, sir. Remember what his son had to do for his wife? What did he have to do? It worked, didn't it? It worked. What do we always tell our kids? If it's worth having, it's worth working for. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. He worked seven years, didn't it? Yeah. Lie. Lie. Yeah. Got a sister. I still ain't understood that, because I'm going to tell you something. First time I laid eyes on her, I knew who she was. Yeah, huh? Yeah, come on. Yeah. You look good. There wasn't no way they were going to sneak some hang in on me. I knew who she was. But then he wakes up, he's got a sister. You know what he couldn't do? Still went postal and went back and went off on him. He went back and said more years because that was the love of his life. He saw as did he live. 
Saul had a granddaddy live. And he listened and he learned. He did what God called him to do. Listen right now. Bring him up, right? Our prayer is not this. Listen to me, moms and dads, church. Heavenly Father, we pray that you bless our children. God, that you make them strong, have ten fingers and ten toes. That they'll never be sick. That you bless them with a good job where they won't have to work as hard, they won't have to work in the heat. God, we just pray that they would be a boss, they'd be very smart, and people would work for them, and they would be an example. And God, that you would protect them on the field, they'd never get hurt. And God, that they would get a college education through their scholarship. And, and if it be your will, Lord, that they'll play pros, I'm going to tell you something, that's not our prayer. Here's our prayer. God, save them. God, teach them. God, grow them. God, use them. However, whenever, whatever it takes to get that. Do it your way. God save them. God teach them. God use them. Now those of you who have had children since I've been your pastor will testify when I come into that room, see that child. If I've had the opportunity to do it, the first thing I do is I pray over them and I pray God save them the first time the Holy Spirit draws them. Not too early to pray for your children's salvation. That's right. And then I'm really good with these. I said, God, lead them to a godly spouse. That's it. That's it. That's so true. Well, Abraham told the servant, go, go find somebody that God sent. Pray, go oh God, send them the right man, send them the right woman. God, save them. God, grow them. God, use them. That needs to be your prayer. I want you to stand with me right now. And if you brought, came down here as a sign of dedication with your children, I want you to come first. I want you to bring your children lay them on the altar. This is symbolically you lay them on the altar in your heart. Right now, family, I want you to do that. This is not a christening. This is a dedication. But we bring them before the Lord. I want you to come, family. If there's grandparents, brothers, sisters, uncles, nephews, nieces, I want you to come around your family right now. Because look, you're going to babysit. <laughs> Teaching don't stop when grandpa's got it. Sometimes it does. But it shouldn't. You still have to teach them, don't you? Huh? Can't just run but why? This is serious business, man. Our world depends on this, church. We worry about who we're gonna vote for. Won't we raise up a godly person to live? Huh? We worry about the schools. Won't we raise up godly teenagers? This is where it starts. Now, church, you teach Sunday school, you teach, you work in the youth, you work in the children. Don't you come around and pray. Deacons, don't you come. You can't keep deacon. Bunch of old rascals. You gotta get some young guys in here. Come on, church. Everybody else is a lot proud to just go around. This is the dedication of our lives. Came a great nation because they work together. Church, we gotta pray. Like never before.
We got to pray like down before. Some of them get them out of the nursery. It's all right. This is the most important moment of the service. My words, said they be to God, are inconsequential. But what God has spoke in your heart today showed you weaknesses and said, I have not been walking in faith. I have not been walking in a way that is nurturing admonition unto the Lord. I have not surrendered and not been what God would have me to do. God's shown you, you got to get your life right before you can help with your children. If not, you're going to raise them to talk like you, drink like you, run around like you. Look, and then you're going to wonder why in the world you, you haven't raised your grandkids because you didn't raise your kids. You're wondering why you got to bail them out of jail. Why you got to send them to rehab? Why you got to do all this raising? Right. Pray for them every night. Do what God has called us to do. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want us just to quietly pray together. Pray for these Father, what a blessed sound. Hear sweet sound of the child. Boy, the disciples got all bit out of shape over it. You pretty much set them straight pretty quick. Those children belong to you. We should never be guilty of preventing one from coming before your throne. That it would be better than a 5,000 pound piece of concrete be tied around our neck and thrown into the depths of the sea than to interfere between you and children. Lord, we can do that by just keeping them out of church. We can do that by trying to dissuade and say, oh, they're not old enough to be saved. They're not old enough to be baptized. They're not old enough to understand. God, if you have called them, may we <coughs> surrender them and realize it's not our job to be the Holy Spirit. God, for these precious children here in the nursery, wherever they may be, I pray God special blessings upon their lives and upon their family. Lord, it's not always easy. They don't get fevers between 8 and 5. They don't just 
have problems with the doctors of God, I pray that you give mom and daddy strength. Pray God you give them clarity and I pray you give them love for each other, for their children, but most of all, that they have love for you. By far more than anything else. And that in the very depths of despair, in the darkest of night, Lord, your Holy Spirit would overwhelm them with peace and comfort that only you can give. Lord, this would not be a ceremony today. This would be a holy convocation, a, a dedication, a covenant. You tell us it's better not to have made a vow than to make one break it. So, Lord, I pray these families don't promise you something that they can dig on. I pray, God, if they tell you they're going to raise them, then that's exactly what they'll do. We can't raise them. I said, oh, God, we want you to do whatever you want, except on the first and third Sundays. We can't tell you, oh, God, make them great, except here in the six weeks we're going to be gone. Oh, God, use them in a mighty way. Just don't call them to be a missionary and leave them. God, may we surrender them. In faith, it's going to do a whole lot better job of them than we can. Dear God, may we be His hand. Give them back. They're rightfully yours. But we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I pray, dear God, that you'll save them. I pray that you'd use them. I pray you'd grow them. I pray that they would live mighty lives of faith. Your honor and your glory. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for these families. Thank you for these precious children. We look forward to seeing your answered prayer throughout the years and decades to come. And if those years do not come and Jesus has returned, well, praise the Lord. Even so, Lord, come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's children say, Amen. God bless you.